You're listening to Left of the Dial. I'm your host, Andrea. With me today is my sometimes co-host, our incredible, wonderful editor-in-chief, <laughs> Jen Coulter. Hi, hello. Hello. It's been a second. Um, it's been I was going to so say nice to see everybody. I don't <laughs> Nobody's seeing me, but you know what I mean. That's why I don't do it all the time. They say dumb shit like that at the top. <laughs> Moving on. Well, the other thing, too, is listeners have probably noticed we haven't been putting out weekly episodes. Um, We've just been doing episodes when we have people we really want to talk to. Um, So you're getting us less often in your feed. This is not to say that we ever have people we don't want to talk to. But, like, there aren't any episodes that are just, like, you and me shooting the shit anymore um, or anything like that. So with that said, I'm going to get right to introducing our guest today. Super Destroyed is the solo project of the anonymous Ohio-based musician who is also the co-founder of Lonely Ghost Records. We're big fans of all of the nouns in that sentence. Super Destroyed's <laughs> most recent album, Soaked in Synth.zip, was released in June. Um, if you pay attention to Left of the Dial, you already know about that album. You've read Jen's wonderful review. You know we're big fans. Um, he's here today to talk about his music, his label, and whatever else comes up. Welcome to the podcast, Super Destroyer. Hi, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you for coming. So we're big Lonely Ghost Records uh, fans. I think I've yeah. covered God, a sh- lot a of lot, Lonely Ghost a lot stuff. Of Lonely Ghost <laughs> stuff sure, yeah. um, a lot of, I know. of all of it, too. So. Thank and you. We yeah, don't well, say yes to everything. Our only criteria, we said all the time for Left of the Dial, is like somebody has to really like something for us to cover it. And so the fact that we have covered so much of your stuff, I think, is a testament to just how good the artists on your label are and how good you. Um, you your crew is at, like, I guess, finding people to work with. Before we get into sure. your music, can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know you have a pretty, like, unique outlook in terms of of how you sort of like have put that together right yeah like we basically Shane and i so shane is the co-owner of the label he records his father of the year we're trying to get him to finish this thing that we've been working on forever but it's fine <laughs> whatever but um do you want to record a psa here now on the show and we'll put I, it out there <laughs> so... commit on phone 2024 we'll see if it, if it you know he follows through but um but, you know, like Shane and I, when we started, we kind of viewed it more as a collective. So we kind of approached it with like a socialist idea of like everybody participates and everybody kind of has ownership of their own stuff. And we we work together and like we realized very quickly that that doesn't actually work very well because like <laughs> people get busy and like, yeah. you know, the whole point of a label is like as a band, you probably aren't able to do some of these things. Like if you could, you probably wouldn't need me. And so, like, we kind of learned that quickly and we pivoted. And then Shane and I realized, like, okay, so we're going to take on pretty much all these sorts of responsibilities. We made a super, uh, you know, kind of artist-friendly contract. They own the rights to their music and all that kind of stuff. We're licensing. You know, we try to be super fair. Um, And from there, we kind of approached it as sort of the, like, idea of, like, almost like an anti-label. where like, we're just trying to eventually get to a point where we're not spending money out of pocket. We're just breaking even. (laughs) You know, we haven't gotten there yet. Shane and I just like, <laughs> you know, we're still funding a lot yeah. of stuff. But, uh, it's stuff that we believe in. So like you said, you only cover things that somebody has to really like. That's how he and I sign people. We, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes people pitch to us. If somebody follows us on Twitter, like lately, not as much. And it's not because of any other reason than I've been like, this has been maybe one of the harder years of my life. Just 
so busy. But um, I usually will like go on if I see it's a musician. I'll go and just listen to their music. Like there are so many people in DIY who have no idea I know exactly who they are because I've listened <laughs> to so much, you know, just like so many people's music. Like I'm always curious. I try to be as aware as I can be, you know. And so like I think that that's important to finding maybe the type of talent that I'm looking for personally, which is people who I think are really kind of creating something that's really genuine and true to who they are and kind of the musical vision and kind of the way that they maybe interpret some of these alternative sounds. And so like, I think it's really way more interesting and way more fun, like to listen to a band that you can't listen to another band to scratch that itch. Like all of my favorite bands were bands that like, either they did it so different from everybody else that nobody else has ever really made it. Or just like, they did it in a way that was the best version of it. And it's still just like so unique or so timeless or whatever, you know? And so like, I prefer people that I kind of, when I hear it, it just sticks and Shane does too. And we kind of like really like to lean into the people who are willing to be adventurous and experimental because at the end of the day, like that's how you get really good music. That's how you create like the future of what something should sound like versus like where it's been, you know, like one of my biggest gripes with like emo as a genre is that a lot of people won't consider anything emo that innovates on the sound that's been prevalent yeah. for 25 mm -hmm. years. Totally. And I mean, you can get back to like the first wave emo people who will argue anything that doesn't come out of hardcore. <laughs> emo, right? And you can get to like the third and fourth wave emo where it's like anything that's not twinkling isn't emo. <laughs> but like the thing is, is like, it's all emo, right? Like emo rap was emo to me. Like, why wouldn't you embrace one of the most popular genres at the time? Like embrace it. You can be innovative. You can just change. And so like, I think I gravitate towards people that I think, genuinely have figured out a way to innovate and change it in a way that's interesting and fun and like makes you want to listen again and they they share these like unique perspectives on the world through that and i think that's why they sound so different you know we have a pretty diverse roster of artists and i think like that's because when you have people with so many different experiences in life you kind of get these like really unique interpretations of maybe something that would otherwise feel very familiar and I think Lonely Ghost in a lot of ways is about taking all these like super familiar things, super familiar label structures, super familiar like industry structures or trajectories of like how you, you know, build a fandom or how you exist as a, you know, a musical project. Um, you know, even aesthetics, like I think we just kind of look at these things and we're trying to kind of turn them on their side or turn them over and say like, we can see like the bizarro version of this where it doesn't have to be a piece of shit, right? Like. <laughs> where everything doesn't have to be exploitative and awful and about like individualism and trying to succeed at the expense of other people. And instead like invert that idea to realize like the reason why all of us go to the shows, the reason why all of us like this is because it creates community for us, right? Like we find people that maybe we otherwise wouldn't really know how to find. And it's because like we share these common interests. And so you know, an industry can be this cutthroat individualistic entity, I suppose. Like, businesses are those things for the most part. We live in a society that's poisoned by it, right? But, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you can create a community where, like, everybody gets a piece. And, like, everybody can then benefit from the fact that they get to be important in some way. And they get to feel included. And they get to, like, meet like-minded people. And, you know, I think that's, like, why people like music, right? You want to share... An experience that's why people consume art it's not to feel lonely or isolated or whatever it's to feel like you are sharing something 
And so like, I think, you know, Lonely Ghost kind of, that was the point. And like, you know, we just kind of trudge forward with whoever seems to kind of fit into our little community as well, because we do kind of try to vet people. We do the best we can, you know, you can never like know somebody perfectly, but we try to really find people that fit in because like the label in itself is its own little community of artists that all like share and talk to each other, like literally every single day. And so like, we have this whole other aspect of like within the label, there's like all these people who collaborate and give each other feedback and like help each other book shows and figure out like merch designs or, you know, whatever. And they're all collaborating in this little like label family that we have. And then around them is then this other kind of community of like all the different overlapping fans. And it's just like been really positive. And I think like, it's, also part of that decision-making process right it's like how do you contribute to a community versus like how do you contribute to just like success for yourself like how it's not just about whether this band might blow up a lot of the times i don't think the next album they're going to have is i don't sign a band that i think is on the precipice i sign a band that's like because they fucking roll <laughs> exactly because you can see the potential in it and you know that like the sound they're onto something and they're gonna figure it out fully and when they do that's the thing that everybody's gonna want to hear eventually that's something i i really like is everybody on the label does sound very different like you have exciting excellent doing like <laughs> chiptune stuff and then you have um super destroyer doing super destroyer stuff and hey i love you doing all of the shit that they're always doing and even with all that like you guys end up collaborating a lot and it yeah it coalesces very well i keep thinking um, of the phrase and i just i need you and i don't know each other but i think our listeners know me well enough to know that i mean this as a huge compliment there's like there's this kind of like island of misfit toys feeling where it's like none of these artists you don't necessarily see them on some of the more like obvious labels where everybody kind of sounds alike and so but there is a kind of cohesiveness in in that and i think yeah. you use the word fun where it's like even if the music isn't necessarily like f fun that way there's still like uh there's like a, a kind of unique is such a it's not really the a word whimsy I mean. like it's it, whimsical. in that like it really feels like people are really <laughs> trying stuff we are, yeah i mean it's so i think like the thing is is like i let a misfit toys is kind of how we talk about ourselves as well like Aww. and i and like the way we kind of view it is we I call like, like like our next signee the only way we started describing it is like this is like lonely ghosts like this sounds like lonely ghosts this should be That's very cool and like in yeah. some ways our goal and like going back to kind of what i was saying before i think this fits in with this like our goal was kind of to take all these people that didn't really fit into any genre well because mm -hmm. i was included like i was like patient zero that's part of why i wanted to do it like <laughs> met funeral homes i met hacker me there's just like a few people who were like floating around who just nelson you know we didn't fit anywhere and like we kind of did but like nobody really gave a fuck and like we were all just figuring it out and young and there wasn't really welcoming so you didn't have like anybody to like help you get better mm -hmm. you know but like um i think what we've kind of done with that is actually make it feel like it makes sense with us now right. like i don't think very many labels could have made people take cheem seriously mm -hmm. because i don't think very many labels would be willing to take cheem seriously the way that we do right you that's know? And a good point actually at least then Right? right at least at that point like now i think probably they would because they show that they have a sound that people are interested in but like you know when i heard that album 
like to me that was like just good music like i'm serious about this let's fucking go put it out like let's i think this could be something like you know you got it if you're one of those labels where you're thinking about like what spotify playlist this artist is going to be on and like how you're going to market it to different you know I, I mean, it's funny to say this as uh, people who write a music blog to like which music <laughs> blogs and that kind of thing. It's like I could see that it might be hard to f- to figure out what to do with a band like Cheem, who I love. I mean, they blew us out of the the water like immediately. We they're they're like a band where it's like I don't know what this is, but I love it. And right, I think that's yeah. often <laughs> the case. And I think that that scares labels sometimes if they are just looking at it from a how much money can we make? Yeah, like from strictly a marketing standpoint. Yeah. yeah. All this talk about collaboration. <laughs> um, recently, uh, two remixes, two Super Destroyer remixes have come out remixed by two different Lonely Ghost um, roster Close. One, musicians. One Lonely Ghost roster, but like one just Lonely Ghost friend, you know? <laughs> uh, Lonely Ghost friends. That was better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to play for the listeners so that they could get a taste of not only Super Destroyer, but also like the overall Lonely Ghost vibe and play the old phone remix of Analog Nightmares. been friends for a while and i've always like liked their music they started out with another project when i met them that was kind of like a similar sound it was kind of like in the hyper pop ish rock kind of realm um but with old phone you know they leaned into that hyper emo idea and i thought it was just like a really cool sound honestly like i think the blending of like hyper pop and emo is pretty neat uh not anymore was a little bit also more adventurous with some of it but like i've heard the next album and that is like very hyper emo. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah it's uh pretty cool and we always collaborate on like a song on their album so i think i we've kind of already discussed i'm probably going to try to do a song on this one too um like russ and i always collaborate with gregory on that but you know i just think it's like really unique like i don't really hear a lot of people combining those sounds still and i think it's like a really cool sound because like the twinkle sound is like like really pretty like sped up and just kind of like manipulated you know it just have a really neat sound to it that i don't know i think it i'm just kind of surprised i haven't seen more people doing it but gregory's doing it really well and you know um they'll probably have an album out if i had to guess next year so they put out uh not anymore that would have been in april i believe of this year and uh if it, you haven't heard it yet you should check it out listen to airy season which is just like a straight up like pop song like i fucking love that song like <laughs> song's it got stuck in my head the first time i heard it like i it like drove me nuts almost because i couldn't like get it out of my head you know <laughs> so. i love that's that's such a fun experience when you're like oh this is going to be something i'm just going to be obsessed with for the rest of my life <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah sam cool. is just like that was a great combo sam and gregory and russ so do you i this is a question that i already think first someone like you and for lonely ghost i already sort of feel like i know what the answer would be but it's one that i would ask anybody if we were talking about remixes is how does it feel for you to sort of hand your music off to somebody else or how much handing off was there in this case actually oh like a hundred percent like like nelson anytime i work with nelson anytime i really work with anybody who wants to remix anything or like really like honestly there's a couple of remixes i hope end up on the mixtape um uh, with Ivaca Glass, which is like, they're really cool sounding. But like anytime that I really, as long as I like what I've heard by them, or as long as I think that like, I kind of have some understanding of my music, you know, like I feel like they have to at least kind of get it. Otherwise it's not going to make sense. Right. But um, I have no problem just being like, do whatever, you know, like <laughs> Gregory sent me the remix of Analog Nightmares. And I was just like, whoa, this is like a hundred percent up my alley. Like I love, mm-hmm kind of the 2010s era of like down tempo electronica music mm-hmm. where it's just like very sample heavy very ambient very light kind of minimalist sounding you know and um like that captures that feeling really well and it's like one of my favorite genres and i just was like didn't expect them to go there i was thinking they were going to do something really hyper pop with it and like it felt very different i was really blown away by it. it's like one of my favorite projects i've ever been involved with probably so yeah it's very cool yeah it's very cool and Nelson actually did a remix on this too, and it's really neat. Like it doesn't sound. I don't even know how he managed to like create this song because it doesn't. I don't know where he heard the sound, but it's wild. So. I always feel like when I tell a musician like I really liked this album, I feel like they think I'm lying to them because we're like on a podcast <laughs> or something. But I would not lie. I I don't want it to seem like I'm putting on airs or gassing you up. But I really liked this album, and it it's great because it's so short too so i could truly listen to it all of the time which is what i did for a while (laughs) um so i wanted to get in i mean it was interesting because i've listened to goon when it came out last year and that's uh this is kind of like a big departure from what you were doing there um, yeah instrumentally yeah uh pretty intentionally honestly like um after goon i had already actually so like while i was recording goon i I always start recording another album before i finish the last one so like i always usually have like two projects at once one that's like very kind of like 
the way I've been kind of doing it lately is like I pick a genre that I kind of want to play within and I try to like put those boundaries on myself, which can kind of keep me in a lane to a certain extent, you know? And so like the next one, one of the requirements was like the BPMs had to be like ideally around 180 most of the time if I could. And it's like very much pop based actually, which is going to be very weird for people, but then it also gets heavy as fuck sometimes. But like, <laughs> But like I tried to kind of like play around in that genre. So like I knew with Goon, like I was getting into some like grungy stuff. It was kind of, I don't know, just like really like heavy and dark, I guess, kind of sounding. And like when I was younger, I actually didn't know how to play guitar. I started as a pianist when I was like seven. And then I like got into synthesizers and drum machines. And so I wanted to like go back and try to see like what would it sound like if I tried to make like songs using only synthesizers again for the first time in like maybe like 10 years. But I decided you know, I wanted to play on a real kit because, well, on a real electric kit. I mean, you know, play actually <laughs> play the drums, right? Like, whatever. But um, I really wanted to play it because I used to have to use drum machines and stuff, even though I always wanted to be able to play the drums with it. So I was like, all right, like, I'm probably capable of doing this now. Let's see what happens. And so uh, I sat in my room and I recorded a spontaneous fit of joy within like probably an hour and a half. It was like literally weirdly like one take, one take, one take, one take, like uh -huh. everything lyric stream of conscious singing stream of conscious like it was just like like straight up like i didn't even think about it, it just happened and like it was really fun and i was like holy shit like i forgot how much i loved playing synthesizers like i forgot like how much more tapped in i am on a synth like compared to even a guitar where with guitar sometimes i feel like i have to think about it but like with synth i don't think about it if that makes sense like it's a little bit different like you can kind of just like totally lose yourself in like just making sound um and like that was super fun like i couldn't believe how fast i made the song i did go back and like you know you go back and you fix all the shitty parts or whatever right but like <laughs> but, like, but you had part, a whole song at the end of that hour and a half basically. And, and like honestly very minimally changed just a few parts that weren't lined up correctly and a few vocal parts that just like kind of recorded weird so like it was actually probably about 85 percent done that night and so after that i started doing like a song a night and then I did about four of them and kind of cut it. So, like, I was just, like, super into it. And then at that point, I just knew I had to finish it. Because once I get, like, four or five songs in, then I'm stuck, you know? Then I have to commit because it's like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Um, and so that's kind of how it happened. And, like, I kind of felt like the synthy music kind of had this, like, really ambient, kind of, like, trapped in a box kind of feel. Like, it sounded like the empty room or like the room that I was recording in. It's like, I'm staring at a wall. I'm like trapped in this apartment. It's very in my head. And so I felt like my apartment was like a really good metaphor for the like confined feeling of the album where you have kind of like a lot of open space, but it kind of feels like walls echoing back versus more like maybe being outdoors, which is what goon feels like to me. And in a lot yeah, of ways, I was right. just thinking like that. The beach. Yeah. Totally. yeah. They're partner albums, right? Goon is about like my relationship with like the external world and like oh. so consent is about my relationship internally with myself and That's so like great. you know they're kind of like contrasting sister albums in a way but i don't think That's... most people would ever really look at it that That's way fascinating. I, was saying, I didn't i didn't think of them but as it's like it feels like siblings. we should have because jen i was just thinking about <laughs> when we covered um oh now i don't remember oh it's gonna kill me which song specifically it was but on the podcast you oh. and I uh 
It was the oh, one with okay. still chill. FK still chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I had to say I didn't know what it was. So then I could remember what it was. Um, and we talked so much about how much that felt like being like outside, like driving at night. And you're right that you I don't it doesn't feel. Yeah, that doesn't carry over at all in a really interesting way. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, I like it's funny, though, because like I didn't figure it out until like three songs in. Like, I knew that I was creating this, like, kind of, like, sound, which is funny because part of it came from, like, listening to a lot of Playboy Cardi, which canceled now. I don't listen anymore. <laughs> but, like, you know, but, like, the pure born beats are, like, really sterile sounding. And I really like that sterile sound. And I was kind of, like, really in my own head around that time. And, like, obviously, I was going through some shit. I'm sure you can tell. <laughs> um, and so, like, you know, it kind of started out trying to capture that sterile sound. And then I kind of realized, like, this sounds like, I'm in my apartment. And so then I kind of almost like took inspiration from like being in my basement or like, like I wrote, um, don't try when I was like in my basement, I like literally like came up with those vocals and the lyrics and figured it out. Like, because I was in this like dingy basement being like, Oh my God, this sucks. You know? So like, <laughs> it's um, very basement core. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, no, yeah, it is kind of like, there's a little stinky breakdown in there and it's like, you know um but yeah so like it is kind of weird because it i did kind of draw inspiration from like the way my like liminal space i yeah. that's the word i'm looking for yeah, liminal yeah, space, yeah. right like it, it that's what i was looking for yeah um, it fully comes through now just to i'm gonna be obsessed with this now i'm sorry i know goon <laughs> is is uh in your rear view at this point and we're talking about soaked in synth but what was the process for writing that like in comparison to that like how did you land on the the feeling and openness for goon then um goon is like about like my relationship with like my family mostly and just Mm -hmm. kind of like the push and pull of that and like how it feels to kind of like you know kind of just like never feel like you quite figure out how to fit into it or like Mm -hmm. you never can quite catch your your footing with anything and like it's always just kind of this like negative experience that you can't quite figure out why it is or whatever you know and so like after you feel that way, you kind of then always look inward. And I feel like I kind of was going through that process myself of like trying to like figure out again, like this frustration or like bad feelings and guilt. And like, you know, cause like you feel guilty when you're like upset with your family too, because they're not always wrong either. Like sometimes you're just like reacting poorly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like it was just like push and pull and like exploring that. And then like, after that, I kind of went inward <laughs> to like be like what the fuck is going on with me you know what i mean like i feel like that's like the next step yeah and um also just like i had a really like rough like 2020 2021 2022 into 2023 even like mm-hmm. it's been fucking hard ever since covid hit really i was like finishing up my dissertation for my phd when covid hit oh, shit. Um, and i didn't even get to like walk at my graduation which i didn't care about i actually was so happy not have to go should, we be, call- <laughs> should we be calling you doctor Dr. Super Destroy. Absolutely not. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, that's always the reaction. I'm always like, if I had gotten my PhD, I stopped when COVID hit. I was in a master's program and I was like, I had plans for PhD work, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, mm. turns out not for me. But if I had, I, you're listening to Left of the Dial, Dr. Quinn, welcome. <laughs> like, I would be insufferable. I would selfishly like to ask about <laughs> my favorite song on the album, which is um, Cartoon Demon.
in terms of not just like the musical structure of it but i thought it was a really good theme um like a good message it, the way i was thinking about it earlier um in preparation for this episode as I, I was like cartoon demon is kind of like um synth punk cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> the way that it's framed <laughs> And yeah, I wanted to know like the process behind that, like what we were thinking. Like it, it's a really good metaphor. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, so like it's there's a lot of things that went into this weird fucking song. Like, <laughs> so first off, like I actually I told you I spontaneous for the joy was first, cartoon demon was second, and originally <laughs> that's why they kind of have a similar vibe, and that's kind of right. why I wanted to like bookend the album with them a little bit. Um. I don't know. They're like more peaceful a little bit than maybe some of the other songs, I guess. Um, <laughs> and like the synth punk, absolutely. Like I was kind of going for like a mix of like that indie pop, like late 2000s, early 2010s vibe mixed with like a little bit of a punkier super story feel. So like structurally and stuff like you kind of like, I think, you know, nailed that one. Um, but like lyrically, like I heard somebody talking about a cartoon demon on a podcast. They were just like talking about a cartoon demon showing up and like whispering in someone's ear or something and i was like you know that's a fun metaphor i haven't seen in a long time <laughs> and then i started like kind of developing it and it kind of went from like this thing that lives on your shoulder to more of like a, a version of yourself that like is trapped in your own you know like head i guess right and it's like this idea that like i don't necessarily identify with the worst parts of myself or my worst thoughts and yet you know they do come up and decide that they're going to kind of try to try to rear their ugly head and make me feel terrible. Right. So it's like <laughs> that idea of like the cartoon demon comes to visit, but like, it's not me. And like, I don't have to like necessarily like live with that or like have to deal with it all the time. Like I don't have to like be my bad feelings that I have. I don't have to like see the world in this negative way or like whatever, you know? And so like kind of super destroyer in a weird way is like my cartoon demon in a lot mm -hmm. of ways because I don't know sometimes the super story is really who I am. It's more so like maybe the parts of myself that I really don't want to have to have reside in my own brain anymore. And so like in some ways, like when I was younger, you know, I like, I, 
I was raised by my grandparents. Like my mom was like not in the picture after I was like 11. She was very abusive. My dad kind of like went and had this other family and whatever. And so like, I was a pretty angry kid and like, I was pretty destructive when I was young. Like everything was about like lashing out at the world and like, you know, just like kind of being a dickhead, I guess a little bit. Oh, like being you honest, were the you know. super destroyer. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I guess the thing is like, I, I hung out with people who, like, we weren't, like, bad, like, we weren't, like, doing terrible, terrible things, but I think we just had a bad attitude, you know what I mean? Just, like, a bad way of interacting with the world. One, that's a feedback loop of, like, negativity and, like, confirmation bias of, like, the world has to suck. And, like, also, like, there's people who, like, aren't, you know, around anymore from that era in my life because, you know, they fall into pretty deep holes. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, I realized as I got older, like, I, as you know, like, I kind of took, like, a turn professionally and decided I was going to, like figure my shit out and like make sure that I would never have to worry about like living anywhere I didn't want to again or ever having to rely on somebody or whatever. And so like, I kind of cleaned it up and I realized that like, there's a lot more power in like being constructive and like kind and like contributing something to the world than there probably is in destroying, it, you know, and like mm -hmm. destruction is like, it's such a cliche thing, but like destruction is easy, but like construction really isn't. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is like when you get to create something, you know, like, it exists and like other people can interact with it. And like, it's usually positive, hopefully positive. I guess, I don't know. Twitter has a lot of <laughs> creation that's pretty negative and shit. And shit but, um, and so like music for me is kind of like that, right? Like I don't really want to write all the songs about why I'm happy because I'm cool with that stuff. Just needing to like perseverating on it. Right. Like having that stuff on a loop, but like, I don't want the bad stuff. And so like super destroyer is like all the bad shit. And I kind of like put it to a track and like, then I don't have to think about it anymore. It doesn't live inside me. It's like its own entity. Like a, like a release too. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of how I view like the cartoon demon. It's kind of like a version of that, you know, where it's just like, you don't have to like, let it take over your life. Yeah. I love that thought of the like, kind of um, almost like extracting it and putting it somewhere so that it doesn't have to. Cause there is, there's the line in the song that's, um, uh, I come to your brain at night um, and then it's, you know, more misunderstood than evil. I just get bored sometimes. And it yeah. is that feeling of like, if you stop for a second, you can feel, you know, whatever, whatever yeah. your cartoon demon is. It's like, nope, you, like you stopped for a second. I'm here. And it's like exactly. finding yeah. something to do with it when it does pop up like that. That is, like you said, constructive and, and useful is I think a really, I, like I hate to say lesson in music, but it is a really valuable message to kind of be sharing with listeners. That's cool. And it's kind of like this meta thing where like the cartoon demon comes to visit and then I deal with it by writing an album. Right. Mm -hmm. So like <laughs> I introduced the album with basically by telling you I'm about to make an album yeah. and like, that's more for like probably me than anybody else. But you know, it's just that idea of like, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. I, I like the behavioral or uh, what did you call it? Uh, Jen? Oh, the cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. It's like, cognitive synth behavioral punk. Therapy. yeah it's like, I like CBT. that. Yeah. It's like, like, very, like heady and stuff. Like, I don't know. I was in a, I was in a lane for sure. <laughs> so. Something else. And it, it's not really going to be able to come through in the way that we're playing the songs just because of like the nature of how um, playing songs in between a podcast episode <laughs> works. But um, something else that I really like about um, Soaked in Synth is how well everything transitions into everything. It's very dreamy. Um, the way everything kind of flows together. Um, I really like that. Which you saying that you were recording everything one after the other actually kind of makes it s 
seem makes that um fluidity make more sense to me um but but funny enough (laughs) a lot of the biggest fluidity came from the songs i wrote the second round which actually really halfway through writing this album this synthesizer i recorded most of those songs on broke and i had to finish it with like my my little micro chord which is chord which is hanging on my wall i would take it off but i'm gonna drop it i know it i can't explain why (laughs) but i just i know i will so but like um so like i had to kind of improvise but as i went through i also knew that i wanted to kind of make it more a little bit less a little bit more cohesive than maybe my other albums, right like i do view my other albums as cohesive other people might say like all over the place or whatever i don't know like they're all chaos i feel like that's cohesion in a way right but um <laughs> yeah. but like with this i did actually really want to create that kind of like undisrupted almost like you're in a dream you know mm-hmm. like i did want it to feel kind of a little bit more like again you're in your head versus kind of out in the world so mm-hmm. i'm glad that kind of came through like i think there is emotion in your basement and dream violence were the last two songs i recorded mm-hmm. um because i wanted to make sure that those songs connected well and they felt a little like a little clunky and so like i kind of created the interludes and then there's emotion in your basement like that's probably my favorite song on the, on the album which is really weird but Why, what is it about that one specifically that makes it feel like um, your favorite on the album? Um, it's just like really ambient sounding, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a little bit more trancey than the rest of the album. I kind of feel like it when I made it, it's like the cartoon demon wakes up from the basement. It kind of sounds like the journey to get to like, hey, I'm here sad as fuck crying. Right. So it's just like <laughs> this really ambient, heady kind of all about just like feeling as if you're floating a little bit before like. The goal is just kind of like punch you in the gut with a song that really went, you know, kind of hard. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like I, I feel like it worked the way I wanted it to. And that's part of it. But also, I just really liked like the vibe of that song. I really like the little synth line. I think it's kind of fun. I don't know. I, I can't might, really. Sing it. Yeah, I might be uh, like projecting and this is so specific and I don't even need. But I. This this whole album feels very much to me like I, I I've listened to it a bunch, but today before this podcast in preparation, I was just like in my room with my dog with the lights off, and I was like, let me listen through it, you know, top to bottom one more time. And it feels to me like when I was in high school, my room was in my basement, but it was an unfinished basement, and I had a big old tube TV on the floor, yeah. and it reminds me of like falling asleep with my television on this song in particular, and waking up with some weird like late night programming. Does that yeah. make sense? The George Lopez. <laughs> I was the trampoline. 
George Lopez wasn't my thought. It was more like like some kind of like educational that's like maybe a little um like Mr. Wizardy, if that I don't know <laughs> if that means anything to anybody here, but but again <laughs> again, this is something I feel like every podcast I record I have to be like, I promise I mean that as a compliment. And I absolutely well, I, do, but that's I understand what you're saying. I agree. Like for real. Like I you know, it kinda is that idea of like snapping you out of it you know like mm-hmm. you're kind of like enrolled yeah. into this sense of like everything's still okay and then all of a sudden like you're kind of like shocked into like a totally different feeling you know yeah, so it is exactly. kind of that same idea um absolutely and sad as fuck crying like i think that was the third song i made i made that after cartoon demon and it was originally like super ambient and it was just the oz with like this like punk drumming and like it was a little bit more stripped down and Originally, the album was going to be like ambient hardcore. So it's just going to be like, and it kind of is like, I actually view this album as like, I never tried to sell it to anybody because I knew they would fucking just totally ignore me. (laughs) I actually consider this album to be a hardcore album. Like it's supposed to be kind of like reminiscent of like old school hardcore drumming over top of like ambient synthesizers. Uh And like, that's kind of actually what I was trying to do. A lot of, you know, I just like leaned into whatever bullshit people called it or like whatever they thought I should call it. But like, honestly, <laughs> I view it as, as ambient hardcore. Like that was what I personally view it as, but you know, whatever. That's a good descriptor. Yeah. I can yeah. totally feel that. And yeah, makes like me think, drum. shit, I want to listen to other things. Tag oh, is yeah. ambient hardcore. <laughs> more ambient hardcore. I do too. Like somebody could, yeah. I need to hear more. You know, I want to hear that. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. Like, a lot of this album is really kind of about like, so it's funny that you mentioned the educational show because dream violence originally had a sample in it. That was like, welcome. It's like from the, like the fifties and it's like welcoming this baby into life. And it's talking about like all the different phases of life you're going to experience. <laughs> and I like sampled little bits of it throughout the song. Um, but then like, it just didn't quite like fit the way I needed it to and the recording had a little bit mm-hmm. too much high end in it and it kind of like made it just sound like mushy and not like so I cut it like literally probably a week before I finalized everything mm-hmm. but um it was cool it was kind of a cool sample and I kind of I guess it gave me that same vibe even as yeah. I was recording it of like you know you're dreaming and you're hearing the tv playing through is what it sounded like and that was kind of the idea it just didn't really pan out that's so cool that that's it why it's called came dream through though like yeah yeah, yeah that's actually. why it's called dream violence though because originally like the idea was like your dreams you're getting bombarded with this bullshit yeah. about how much life's about to suck you know like, <laughs> <laughs> like but i just didn't that's make it so fascinating but um i don't like so the next proper album i'm doing is going to be a little more synth based also not at all similar to this i'll send you demos if you want like five songs i have yeah obviously we want (laughs) but yeah like i've been having fun with the synth so people can expect more of it but the remixes are actually from my mixtape that i'm going to put out early next year so that one i do have a lot of like non-remix songs original songs that i wrote um and they're pretty cool. It was like an album I scrapped a long time ago and I kind of got back around to maybe revisiting it and making it like finished. <laughs> so, you know, um, I'm mixing it all myself because the recordings were like really bad and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to learn how to mix better. Yeah. Um, so I'll send that to you also, but yeah, so people should be on the lookout for that. Uh, Lonely ghost. I know we're going to do a Halloween comp. Uh, I know we're going to announce a new signee. <gasps> 
their new EP is coming out in January. Y'all I'm stay busy. Like it's. I'm gonna pitch it to you, so I'll send it to you today. <laughs> yep. Probably. Um, <laughs> we want it all. Halloween. Yeah, we're, we're... Logan yeah, goes we're... Halloween is like that. Yeah. I need that. I got actually. so excited. Just I got so excited. Wait, so we do this every year. It's actually a tradition. So we have five Halloween Yeah. Bandcamp. That's why. Because they're only on Bandcamp. Oh, we don't okay. really like, do big releases. Sometimes the songs are released as singles. So if you heard a single, you wouldn't realize it was from the same right. comp because of the way like publishing works and stuff. But um I just got so excited I just Googled the word bandcamp. Just so everybody knows that's what I just did. <laughs> <Bandcamp>. <laughs> but yeah, like um you can you'll see them on there and then like like i said i'll send you some of the stuff i'm working on i know hodera vinyl also just got in we picked them up yesterday oh, yeah. we're going to be shipping them out this week so that's pretty badass our web store is almost done we we got a merch supplier and stuff so like lots of good things happening for lonely ghosts it's also why we're a little quiet through the winter shane and i did not want to continue to like put out new releases and a ton of new merch when we were still trying to like get this merch stuff transitioned over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like, you know, we have some cool stuff coming. Um, I think probably a lot of the bigger bands that people know from our label will be releasing new music next year. Well, not oh. probably. I've already heard the album. <laughs> we'll be out. Uh, so, um, yeah. So there's that. Um, trying to think if there's anything else we should plug uh we do an artist spotlight every month with jamie fowler check that out she does a really good job of finding diy bands you can pitch to us she ultimately has final say not me so <laughs> you brush really that off do absolutely nothing i promise you don't have to compliment <laughs> me or anything you can just literally say like yo here i would really like to be considered for this i think my album is cool it's all good you can just do that um yeah uh we also are trying to bring back community reviews so it was a feature I started. I just got like super busy and I just kept forgetting to promote it. But like, we literally have a feature on our website where any album that comes out, that's not from lonely ghost. So any other album that comes out, anything, not lonely ghost, you can review it a paragraph or two. We'll edit it up for you and we'll post it to our site. The band gets a review at least on a website that somebody can visit and they can get some kind words about their album. If they need it for like band camp or something, we only have like five or six. We were kind of just getting a going a little bit in like 2021. I tried again for the last year, but it just was hard. Everybody was really like, I was busy and it was just like, whatever. But I want to bring it back. We have somebody who's helping us kind of organize that. Curtis, he does our playlists as well. Um, Soon our Instagram also. So he's he's been helping us out a lot more. But uh, if anybody wants to cover a band that they think is cool, maybe an album out of DIY that doesn't really have a lot of attention, you know, we'll share the review and... That's a, that's awesome. Somebody something to talk about, and it's open to like literally anybody. You do not have to be like a writer or anything. You can just be like a person who really likes music, and you know whatever. That's probably preferred, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Uh, writers. We need good writers to go write for like other stuff. Like I, you know, (laughs) music blogs are dying. I I don't want to become a music blog necessarily. So (laughs) go write for Left of the Dial if you're a great you're like this uh, DIY kid who really likes music. You can come on over to Lonely Ghost and we'll take you. How <laughs> about that? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that's just some stuff we have going. Oh, and Fry DIY, we finally settled on the topics we want to cover. It's gone through a lot of iterations and a lot of ideas, but we think we finally figured out what we want to talk about. So we're hoping to bring that back. 
the third season of it soon. If anybody's not familiar, the first two seasons are literally uh, the pin tweet on our Twitter account. Um, but it's just like one minute videos on like how to do different things for yourself and DIY. Like, yeah, that's really how cool. to like yeah, pitch things and stuff cool like that. So I'm just trying to like dive into it a little bit more. We're coming up with some new topics that maybe people have asked us about over the past like couple of years. It's been two years since we put this series out and we, I don't know how, how it got away from us. We tried so many times to just like find the time to sit down and do it, but we finally did it. Oh, we finally like know what we're way. doing. So, know. <laughs> you know, yeah. be on the lookout for that. <laughs> also, I guess. We have like one meeting a month that's us resetting and being like, all right, we're ready to get back in and do all we're of the things. That we, and then, for example, doing a podcast with you is on many, <laughs> week, many we've, monthly yeah, meetings. We've been talking about, yeah, asking to have you on for <laughs> like probably a good year, like forever. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm glad you know, that you did. This has been fun. This has been super this fun. Very fun. So what, uh, what do we want to close out on? Uh, we could either do sad as fuck crying or crushing wave of depression. Hmm. <laughs> it's really funny to end on a crushing <laughs> wave, wave of depression. Yeah, let's do a crushing wave of depression. That's a fun thought. Let's do a crushing wave of depression. <laughs> and this one, uh, have a good night, everyone. Here's our crushing wave of depression. <laughs> the atoms in my body, they are warring. Yeah, they're tearing.